What is happening, everyone? Welcome again to the latest Matt Russell Project. It's The Window, Canada's sports betting podcast. Ahead on today's episode of The Window, it's the Power Conference Super Preview. Big 10, SEC, Pac-12, Big East, Big 12. And if that weren't enough, Ashish Barty returns to the podcast, and I try to talk him out of Dayton in the A-10. What could possibly go wrong there? It's time to head to the window. Let's go. Welcome again to The Window. I am your host, Matt Russell, and we begin as we do every episode with our Don't Look Back in Anger segment. And we are angry about conference tournament finals last night. Really only have ourselves to blame here. Uh, St. Francis, PA, we were ahead of the market on that one. Grabbed them at plus one. They moved to a favorite. Uh, Certainly a popular pick with regards to the conference tournament contest that we frame a lot of this stuff in. Uh, They go on the road, and Robert Morris basically goes wire to wire on them. Uh, Just to show you sort of how little people were valuing Robert Morris in this, despite the fact that they were the one seed and had home court advantage throughout, only 9% of conference tournament uh, participants took Robert Morris to win that one. And, of course, the line move as well indicated you know, what they, what the market thought of Robert Morris, but they shoved that into our face. And a shout out to them and their home court setup. They've got a nice little facility there and, you know, a really, really loud crowd uh, was nice to see. And of course, they now get their ticket to the big dance next week. So, I mean, 9% is pretty equivalent to the 5% that Bradley was getting as the four seed over in the Missouri Valley earlier on the week. So it goes to show, you know, when you're getting that little credit, what sort of a surprise that was for people who sort of follow this relatively closely. Uh, Elsewhere, Northeastern had a lead in the second half, uh, but Hofstra pulled away. They were getting 19% of the backing there. So again, not a popular one seed, but sure enough, they get the victory. Uh, And then Northern Kentucky, also in that sort of 18, 19% range, uh, this time as a two seed. They take advantage of an Illinois-Chicago team that got all of their offense out of their system against Wright State. So, you know, if you were paying attention and listening to uh, our podcast on uh, on that conference, on the Horizon League, uh, you know that North Northern Kentucky was very nearly the selection there. And they made enough shots over the course of the tournament to get that done. So kudos to them. They could be a bit of a dangerous team, though probably looking at about a 15 seed in the tournament. Uh, On the plus side of things, got there comfortably with Gonzaga last night, both ATS and, of course, uh, outright in the contest. Not, again, necessarily like a huge surprise and a pretty popular pick nonetheless. Um, you know, but there were some dangerous teams in that conference. And then the best thing that we did, shout out to Ashish Barty on this one. He hits North Dakota State, uh, just a 24.9% selection as a one seed. So another, you know, unpopular one seed that was selected here. If you compare that, South Dakota State had 57.6% of the backing, and they went out in the first round. So you know even the people who quote-unquote know what they're doing here and are willing to enter a contest like this, you know, just nobody has any idea what to expect on any given night. And then finally, Stony Brook at home, you know, 7.5-point favorite, can't even win the game, and frankly weren't even really that close to Hartford. 
uh, as Hartford moves on to the final to face Vermont. Fortunately, we did get there plus the points with UMBC, so a winner on that side of the bracket at least. Uh, and then a couple other decent results. We got Southern home. Uh, we were two and one in the Metro, getting Iona minus three, three and a half was sort of our, our best option with regards to that league. Uh, so all in all, not, a, not necessarily a great night, small loss on the night, but we are, we're going to look forward here and we've got a ton as now we are getting into things in a really big way. The crescendo of the week is sort of just going upwards here. We got afternoon action. Uh, I sent my afternoon stuff out on Twitter for those who are following at authentic is where I'll send anything that doesn't uh, show up on this podcast as far as live betting or, uh, or games that start too early to, you know, be able to get to on this podcast. So what we're going to talk about, obviously, later on is the games for tonight. Uh, Ashish Barty is going to join us as I try to talk him out of Dayton. We'll see if that works. Um, maybe a little bit lukewarm on that. Uh, Conference USA, whack as well. He's all in charge of. And then, and before that, after this break, we're going to go Power 5 conferences and the other stuff that I'm responsible for. Uh, we're going to do that after this quick message. Do you run your own company or promote your business through Instagram, Facebook, or other social media platforms? Are you struggling to grow your following or build your brand? Posting simple pictures, inspirational quotes, or amateur selfie videos don't really do the trick anymore. Studies show that 82% of people simply scroll by videos that don't have any subtitles, and the remaining 18% usually don't stay for long if your content isn't stimulating or entertaining. Contact Hundo P Productions to help you boost your brand and get to the next level of video marketing. Reach them at www.hundopproductions.com or at hundopprod on Instagram. Don't just post, inspire. Okay, let's get right into these big time tournaments. Let's start with the Big Ten. And this one is really interesting. Of course, super deep league this year. 12 teams certainly had made cases over the course of the season to make the NCAA tournament. I'm not sure all 10 is going to get in there. Uh, it will take quite something for Purdue to get in. It may take some effort for Minnesota to get in. And of course, Indiana, I don't think belongs in this tournament, but we, you know, we'll see sort of what they're up to. Uh, Minnesota and Indiana do play today. Um, both will be heavily favored. Uh, essentially to a point where I don't know that there's necessarily any value. Minnesota minus eight is sort of interesting. Uh, I made the line 10 there against Northwestern. That being said, between Northwestern and Nebraska, the two, you know, low-level, last-place type teams here, you know, Northwestern is certainly the team that I would trust a lot more. Nebraska literally grabbing guys from the football team to be on the basketball team. Like, this is a total horror show. I made Indiana an 11-point favorite, but with all of this news and chaos uh, seemingly going on with that program, you know, uh, the number's 15 right now, which is obviously way too much for me to lay with Indiana. Uh, and you just look at this Nebraska program, and sure, maybe things are you know, going to get turned around, and this is definitely a transition year with a new coach, um, a coach that has sort of specialized in turning things around at Iowa State. Um, but, you know, you look back at last year, Nebraska was winning a couple of games in this tournament. There's sort of the famous, uh, 
video of their coach waving to the fans and then falling down in the tunnel, uh, you know, and then sort of rallying around around him as he was, you know, inevitably going to be fired. Uh, and now they've got this team where it's like you're pulling guys off the street to put on a uniform, and it's really headed, you know, way south for Nebraska here. Uh, does that result in like a 20-point loss to Indiana? I mean, that seems still like a stretch given, you know, we're not overly into Indiana at this point. Um, but I think, you know, pretty certain that Indiana will move on and then we'll sort of go from there. As far as an actual winner in this tournament, this is interesting because you sort of attack it from, there's sort of three different ways to look at this, right? And the first one is from a strict futures value. And so, um, you know, our book of sort of choice here in Canada is Bet365, and they have some of the more interesting uh, markets and future in, in the futures department. And, you know, I, I started getting into the math and working out the implied winning percentage versus sort of their uh, winning percentage via uh, teamrankings.com, which will tell you, you know, at the start of this tournament, what team has the best chance and what their percentage of chance of winning the tournament is based on their route. So, for example, Michigan State, they give them a 31.9% chance of winning the tournament, whereas on the Futures book on 365, you can get Michigan State at plus 325, which implies only a 23.5% chance. So anytime you can get something that is implied lower than what the quote-unquote actual winning percentage is. So if the team rankings number, in this case, at 31.9, is higher than the implied winning percentage of 23.5, that's automatic value on Michigan State. So at plus 325, listen, it's not going to be an easy route for them. You know, they will have essentially very difficult matchups right from the quarterfinals and onward as they play uh, Ohio State or Purdue, and then potentially Maryland, and then obviously in the finals, any number of teams sort of on the top side there. So, you know, it doesn't look necessarily like an easy route, but at plus 325, there is sort of an implicit value. Now, that being said, the big value, and it was sort of clear right off the hop, as we talked about this briefly on Monday about the futures market, Wisconsin at 15 to 1. Now, you don't need the math to know that Wisconsin at 15 to 1, being the one seed um, and being at the top side of that bracket, avoiding Maryland, Michigan State, Purdue, Ohio State uh, until the final, you know, sort of allows for a def uh, different route. And so when I popped it into this, the old equation machine over here, uh, it gave out a 9.1% chance. Now, you're going 9.1% chance is not very big. Now, of course not. But a 9.1% chance lends itself to roughly about a 10 to 1, you know, 10 to 11 to 1 uh, odds uh, that would be appropriate. Now, if you're getting 15 to 1, which we're getting at 365, that's all kinds of value right there, right? And that's an implication of 6.3%. Well, Wisconsin is certainly better than a 6.3% chance. So, you know, you could make the case that they're even better than a 9.1% chance. And, of course, that's what would make you interested in them. Uh, even at a number like 10 to 1, which is sort of more commonly seen throughout the marketplace, you know, in especially in Las Vegas, you know, Circa Sports, South Point, and, and all those in the Superbook, uh, all, the main, all the main characters out there would have this as a much lower number. Now, it doesn't mean, you know, just unload on Wisconsin, but it certainly means that you 
are somewhat obligated to bet them uh, and maybe for a little more than you would necessarily like, uh, especially since if you get them into the final and really again in the final against anybody other than Michigan State, that's a very real hedge opportunity uh, at that point. So, you know, don't go nuts with it, but 15-1 there. And then if you're looking sort of for the quote-unquote safer pick, Michigan State does have value, and I don't say that you know often with a number one seed. Actually, they're not a number one seed, but the number one team, I should say, uh, in this conference. Of course, then you go and you flip and you go, okay, well, what about you know a conference tournament contest situation where you're playing against other people who know all of this information, right? And so, first of all, Michigan State, as that lower level seed, you know, not being a one seed is going to automatically attract eyes. It's going to attract eyes for this tournament. It's going to attract eyes for the big tournament next week. Uh, they are going to be a popular selection. So you go, okay, well, if not them, then who? And just because Wisconsin is a 15 to one uh, play here for us, doesn't mean that, that me that there's value in them in this contest. For that, I actually look at Illinois as the best value there. Illinois, closer to a 10 to 1 in the actual market, but their implied winning percentage at 10 to 1 being 8.3 is still like a little bit better than their actual team rankings winning percentage at 7.6. But when you factor in all the attention that Wisconsin's going to get, even Michigan gets a fair amount of attention in these sorts of things, and the attention that Michigan State is going to get, and I'm sure some people will be on Maryland um, and then maybe even some sort of longer shot with Purdue or Ohio State, where Illinois is sort of in that middle pocket where I don't see them getting any sort of real attention. And so once you sort of do the math with regards to who else is picking them, I think that number is going to be incredibly low and in this case might create more value than just simply the 10 to 1 or you know the 12 or 13 to 1 that the team rankings winning percentage would sort of indicate. So Illinois is going to be our play uh, in that tournament, which again is sort of strange considering that they will likely face Wisconsin in the semifinal. So there will, you know, kind of, it's not necessarily a hedge, but it's just playing the numbers, right? You're playing the numbers in the contest for Illinois. You're playing the numbers in real life betting for Wisconsin. And then one of those teams hopefully you know, it'd be really disappointing if Rutgers or Iowa or Michigan make the final. Uh, hopefully one of those team represents us in that final, and then we get them against somebody other than Michigan State. Of course, unless you take the value play with the plus 325 with Michigan State, uh, you know, and you could do both. There's nothing to say you couldn't just bet Wisconsin and Michigan State, hope they meet in the final, and then you're, you know, kicking your feet back and making money no matter what. And then, of course, if Illinois gets there, that sort of acts as somewhat of a hedge too come Sunday. So lots going on there with regards to the Big Ten. Uh, we'll get into sort of the mid-level game stuff, of course, later in the week once we talk about, you know, we'll talk about the matchup between Michigan Rutgers and Ohio State and Purdue, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but that will be for another day. Uh, instead, we're going to move on to the Big East here. This one's a little bit more simple when it comes to sort of value over, you know, strategy versus actual basketball handicapping, right? Smaller tournament, less teams. So you don't have all the permutations that are possible, you know, that exist in the Big Ten. You know, you look at the Big Ten, you go, I don't even know 
who's going to match up in the quarterfinals in half of these. And it's really hard to go basketball to basketball handicapping with a big picture who's going to win the tournament thing. We'll get into that again a little bit deeper when it comes to game by game and so on and so forth. But with the Big East, at least you can project different matchups, right? So right off the bat, you've already got two of the quarterfinals already created. And so the first one up at the top here is Creighton. Uh, they are the one seed, and of course, bad news for them, as one of their top players, Zagorowski, has been ruled out for essentially the rest of this tournament and potentially the rest of the season. So, you know, you've got them awaiting Georgetown or St. John's. So that game right there becomes that much more difficult. Creighton just got run off the floor by St. John's, you know, around the corner at, you know, this, of course, is being played at Madison Square Garden. So that's St. John's sort of quasi-home court. Uh, they played at Carnesecca Arena, which is over in Queens. And Creighton got absolutely run out of the building two weeks ago. And so you already kind of have a red flag about that. Assuming they even play St. John's, they may as well. They may play Georgetown as well. Georgetown plus four is a very interesting play for tonight's game. So, you know, that one could go either way. But when you're already missing a piece, that's problematic. And so... Then you look at what the next matchup is, and the matchup is either Providence or Butler. Now, I like Providence, and I like Providence more than most, so that's going to lead me to taking Providence essentially for this tournament. Uh, with regards to the math that we just talked about, with regards to you know comparing team rankings percentage to their implied win percentage, there isn't necessarily a ton of value on Providence as they are metrically they're considered sort of the fifth or sixth best team right they're the sixth best team according to ken palm which of course is the sort of holy bible with regards to this sort of stuff but much of that is weighted evenly throughout the season and they had such a bad start to the season such a bad non-conference season and really a poor start to the conference season all of their success has come at the back end of the season and that's of course going to create sort of a little bit more value relative to what all the numbers compile together, you know, what that looks like is always going to be a little bit lower than sort of what they actually are right now. And so the market price at plus 650, which is an applied percentage of 13.3%, is quite higher than team rankings percentage of them getting through, which is held right now at 8%. But right? Like that's factoring in a healthy Creighton team and that's factoring in, you know, a Butler team that is sort of on the flip side of Providence where Butler was playing much better to start the season and was even in the top 10, you know, at a certain point. And then once they got into the conference season, they've sort of fallen down. So in many ways, Providence and Butler have sort of switched spots. And on the market price, it actually kind of looks just like that in that they are both priced at plus 650. Right, but the team rankings site has 14% of a chance of Butler making it to that next, uh, we're essentially winning the tournament. So, you know, I, if you ask me from an eye test standpoint, like Providence should be the team that is at least a 14% chance, and Butler sort of looks like that team that's closer to the 8% chance. Now, of course, this is going to get settled on the court as Providence plays Butler. So there's a very real possibility, you know, as in most cases here, that, you know, Butler wins the game and I look like a dope. And that's fine, and that's sort of how this works. But especially considering the line in that game, I have that projected uh, at about Providence minus one. 
And in fact, Butler may end up being uh, the favorite according to some of these sort of projection metrics and that sort of thing. So, you know, right off the bat, you're getting these, you know, coin flip game there. I don't know how much, you know, how, how heavily Creighton is going to be favored against, let's say, St. John's, especially given recent results. And then on the bottom half of the bracket, you have Seton Hall and Marquette. And that one, you know, looks like Seton Hall should be favored. It will be, he, they will be favored in the market as they are the, in fact, favorite to win this tournament uh, as a whole, despite being the three seed. They are the plus 275 favorite, which is a 26.7% implied probability. And team rate rankings gives them just a 16% chance. And I think in this case, team, the team rankings one is probably a little bit more accurate in part because they're dealing with a Marquette team that is sort of higher rated than maybe, you know, what we've seen from them lately, and which is why Marquette is sort of drifted behind at 8-1 to one in that market. So, you know, not an easy game right off the bat for Seton Hall, as I've got Hall as a 3.5-point favorite, but it's certainly possible that that number is lower than that, right? So, you know, while there may be value on Seton Hall to win that game, you know, they've got their own injury question marks as well, right? There's some rumors about, you know, McKnight uh, and Powell both having, you know, some sort of late knee injuries that, to be honest with you, it might behoove them as they go into the NCAA tournament to not play three tough, grinded-out games, right? So not that anybody is throwing any games here, but when you look at Seton Hall's route being Marquette and having to deal with Marcus Howard and then in all probability, Villanova. And even if it's Xavier, you know, that's still going to be a scrappy game. That's just what Xavier does. That's just what the Big East does, right? So to win this tournament, there's this just level of toughness and want to that in more than sort of any other tournament in a lot of ways needs to be addressed, right? And if your want to isn't all that high because you have bigger, you know, things in your, on your mind, and you don't really want to push, you don't really want Miles Powell playing 38 minutes, three straight days against top-level competition, you know, there's certainly reason to not take Seton Hall here, both from a math standpoint and from a basketball situational standpoint here. And then in that final quadrant, you've got Villanova facing the winner of Xavier against DePaul, and of course that basically means Xavier. Uh, though Xavier's fully capable of blowing a game that they should be win, they should win easily. Um, but you're looking at Villanova, and you go, okay, like this is not necessarily a great Villanova team, you know. But again, they're certainly capable of getting hot from time to time, um, you know. But whether it's Marquette or Seton Hall, like that's not an easy route to the finals. But I would say, given the sort of circumstance in all of this, I think Villanova does make the final here. Um, but there isn't any value on their futures number. Uh, they're just a three, uh, 350, uh, a plus 350 to win the tournament, uh, which is a 22% chance. Their team ratings is 20.6. So, they, I mean, they're right around the right number there. Like, that's not a wrong number by any stretch of the imagination. It's just, you know, I think you could probably do better rolling over three money lines, um, you know, based on what their route looks like. And so I have a Providence Villanova final here. Um, and I think I'd be more comfortable. I shouldn't say I'd be more comfortable with, with Providence, but I think from a value standpoint with regards to the contest, you know, Providence being the four seed, Villanova being the two seed, Villanova being obviously quite a popular team um, that sort of has 
a, an easier route, obviously, with that first game being against either Xavier or DePaul. Uh, they will be a more popular play. Uh, and I, you know, at the end of the day, I think that's you know, a two, three-point line, as basically all of these games should be. And if any of these games, you know, once you hit the quarterfinals, are anything higher than four, then that's, to me, an automatic take on the underdog because I just every one of these games I anticipate going down right to the wire. You know, and you never know if like overtime gets involved and you know fouls and whatnot. But like these should be one possession games uh, right across the board, which makes it, of course, very interesting, very exciting. Especially you know Madison Square Garden scene, you know all of that type of thing. So really interesting and fun tournament. But give me Providence in that one, um, as they also sort of are that team that you know they're not. I don't think on the bubble anymore, um, but they still have a little more to prove than these other teams do that are, you know, securely into the tournament. Um, and then once you get Ed Cooley with something to prove, you know, he can kind of drag a team from time to time. And Luane Pip uh, Pipkins is a guy you want to watch as sort of the underrated, you know, gunner guy that you want at the end of, uh, end of the clock, whether it's shot or game. So Providence there for me in the Big East. Uh, next up, we will move over to across the coast to across the country, I should say, to the other coast with Pac-12 action. And this one's interesting because the two best values, as sometimes happens, are two of the longer shots in the entire tournament. So from a value perspective, and again, we saw this, you didn't need the math to know that Washington at 80 to 1 was going to be a decent value. Uh, 80 to 1 is an applied winning percentage of 1.2%. Uh, team ra uh, rankings gives them a 7.7% chance. So again, 7.7% chance. That's not a high <laughs> ranking, but you know, by and large, you're not going to get. It's not like you're going to get better than 50% chance, right? So if you f if you figure Oregon as the heavy favorite at plus 175 is an implied 36% chance. When team ra rankings have them at 28.9, you know, there's absolutely no value there. And when the favorite is a 28.9% chance, all of a sudden the 7.7% chance thing doesn't seem that low and is in fact, you know, the fifth highest percent chance in the league. The problem for them and why it's even that low, given that they're the fifth best team in the league according to, you know, many of the ratings, including Ken Palm, is their first game is against Arizona, who is basically a half point, according to Ken Palm, below Oregon. And so this is really interesting because in that very first game, you sort of have a sliding doors effect here where one of those two teams is getting through and I think becomes maybe not necessarily the favorite in the league, but a team that you, you want to have had you know, you want to have backed from the start of the tournament, right? So if Washington beats Arizona today, you're going to be really pumped that you have 80 to 1 on Washington. Now, on the flip side, Arizona as the five seed in sort of a contest format, probably popular if it was just that they were a five seed, but their popularity probably decreases given the fact that they're playing Washington in that first game. And not only that, you know, because that's a difficult game and it's because it's an extra game than, say, Oregon has to play. But it's also because taking Washington as a 12 seed over Arizona as the 5 seed in contest play as essentially a 3-to-1 point, you know, underdog, so to speak, 
is really you know interesting there right you want to take the 12 over the five in this game and pick your champion elsewhere if you're not you know willing to take washington as your champion and so there becomes then the sort of added value in that because so many people are going to want to take washington in that first game it ta it drops the number of people that would take arizona to win this tournament which of course increases the value of arizona winning the tournament so you've got arizona to win the tournament if you're in a contest and that's certainly what we're doing but i'm also taking a little on washington at 80 to 1 you know again not necessarily a hedge but it certainly acts that way as you know you're watching that first game because you know that while you know i would say you know i'm kind of hoping less than 20 percent of people take arizona you know you're hoping that they move on but if they don't at least you sort of have this live Washington ticket that would be going on to the quarterfinals in what I think is a very winnable game against a USC team that I think both of these teams, Arizona and Washington, would be favored over. And then once you get to Oregon, you know, Arizona's played them twice in overtime this season. So that's certainly a coin flip for them. And it took Oregon a last second shot to beat Washington, basically a Hail Mary shot from Peyton Pritchard. So, I, you know, we talked about this a couple of days ago, but like in both of those teams can certainly beat Oregon and, I, and would be favored, I think, against USC. And so there was an element of like trying to find a team in that bottom half that could make it through and Arizona State a couple of days ago looked tempting to me but then as I dug deeper into the math the other team that is mathematically viable from an odd standpoint is Stanford at 25 to 1 that's an 8.6 uh, excuse me a 25 to 1 is 3.8 percent probability but the teamrankings.com has them at 8.6 so essentially they should be half of that at 25 to 1, right? In a lot of markets, you will see them at closer to 12, 13, 14 to 1. And people are still all about that because if you actually look again at the metrics and at the ratings over the course of the season, Stanford's actually rated higher than UCLA and by, to be honest with you, quite a bit. So while I would, you know, sort of eye test wise and in many ways kind of hype and again this is similar UCLA is similar to Providence in that they've really come on towards the end of the season you know from a market standpoint you go okay they should probably be favored in a game against Stanford but the numbers don't add up that way and it's sort of weird kind of a comparison but last week Oklahoma State was a very short underdog at Texas and I'm sure a ton of people were taking Texas in part because of the narrative of Texas needing to win to stay on the bubble and stay in the tournament and so on and so forth but Oklahoma State is actually rated the better team right according to the metrics and that obviously isn't reflected in their record um, but that's kind of the same thing here right Stanford not currently in the tournament or at least not you know solidified to be in the tournament definitely could use this win just as much as ucla could and i'm already putting stanford in ahead of cal so apologies to the cal bears but i don't think you have much of a hope in this one um so we've moved stanford into that next round and you go okay well wait a second the metrics say that stanford actually should be about a three three and a half point favorite over ucla even if my number would have been like two and a half for ucla just based on sort of current you know where UCLA is right now in the market.
you know, we've kind of forgotten the fact that UCLA a month and a half ago had no hope of making the tournament. Now it kind of feels like if they just won one more game, they would make that tournament. So really going to be an interesting number to see tomorrow where that sort of lands in between the two and a half and the three and a half. And, um, you know, I'm not necessarily as staunch on this UCLA being a favorite here as I was North Carolina being a heavy favorite against Virginia Tech. And again, like, you know, oh, he's crazy. He thinks North Carolina should be a seven, seven and a half point favorite and that I wouldn't bet Virginia Tech until it hit 10. Well, when that number comes out at two, two and a half, moves through three and up to four, four and a half. And we're still like, yeah, I'll still bet that. That's fine. Like, you know, who was right in that situation, right? Like, you know, again, we're not right about everything here, but, you know, that one seemed pretty clear that Virginia Tech was going to need to be a heavy underdog to be, you know, a stay away. So in this situation, who's going to be favored in that game? Like, yeah, I would make UCLA the favorite. The numbers say Stanford should be the favorite in the same way that the numbers in theory said that North Carolina shouldn't have been that high of a favorite against Virginia Tech uh, in the ACC opener. So, Again, looking at Stanford going like, wait a minute, they're going to be you know, heavily favored to win their first game, going to be favored probably, or at least to pick them uh, in their second game. And then in that third game against either Arizona State or maybe Colorado. And again, I would like Colorado a lot more if they had, I don't know, won any games over the last little while. And they haven't done that in a couple weeks. So, you know, Colorado as a six seed would be really, really interesting. And I think they're favored against Arizona State but by a, a couple of points and you know I don't know how any different that is than Stanford and once Stanford and Colorado match up that's a pretty even game according to again the metrics with Ken Palm and that sort of thing as they have Colorado as a 16.87 and Stanford as a 15.32 so you know I certainly think Stanford would, is playing a lot better basketball right now but again if you give Colorado two straight wins maybe they get you know, some gumption going and get a little uh, momentum, as they say. So, but that being said, Colorado's number is 375 on Bet365. So Colorado playing the extra game the same way Stanford is and basically going to be in a similar situation where they're playing virtual toss-up games all the way through to the final. And you could have Colorado at 375 or you could have Stanford at 25 to 1. Well, I don't have to tell you which is the right play there, right? And Arizona State is interesting only because they don't have to play that first game. And at 10 to 1, to me, that's better value than like a USC at 12 to 1 who are in the same, you know, in the same situation as they are. Uh, and of course, UCLA at 7 to 1, you know, Again, if they're the underdog or close to it in that first game, seven to one doesn't make any sense either. So uh, taking Stanford, taking Washington, you know, and then again, you know, you wouldn't take Arizona at, you know, three to one, but taking them in a contest circumstance is certainly, uh, I think, the right thing to do, even if it's not something that's going to win you know, most of the time or even all that frequently, if it does happen to win, though, you know, you can you can lose this a few a few dozen more times down the road, maybe not a few dozen, but at least, you know, a dozen more times down the road and still be, you know, uh, up for the entire endeavor. So we're going to take a quick break here and we're going to get into the rest of the power conferences right after this. Mm-hmm. 
All right, let's pick it back up with the Big 12 tournament uh, openers today. Kansas State and TCU and Oklahoma State and Iowa State. None of these four teams have any chance of winning this tournament, uh, though we do like Oklahoma State's value here. Uh, the only one that showed up from, again, a mathematical translation standpoint, uh, again, didn't really need the math to figure out that 125 to 1 on any team with any sort of a pulse was going to at least churn value mathematically. Didn't end up being a ton, as 125 to 1 implies an 8% chance uh, of winning. Uh, excuse me, a 0.08% chance of winning. Uh, and they, in fact, have a 1% chance of winning. So, you know, you can get all the value you want here. But if you're going to only win this bet one out of a hundred times, I wouldn't exactly rely on that uh, in happening. That being said, you know we talked about this a couple of days ago in that we're only really looking to get them past Kansas. At that point, this becomes you know quite valuable uh, going forward. Now that of course is easier said than done, given that Kansas is only the best team in the country. Uh, that being said. Kansas' number at plus 105 is really only interesting if you assume them to win the first two games, which, again, you can't really just assume that. Uh, the plus 105 would set up a decent, you know, hedge potential, a middle potential once they got to the final, as, of course, they would be favored against anybody that they would play. And, you know, in the worst case scenario, they're probably, you know, a four or five point favorite uh, against Baylor. So a lot of different ways that that can end up being profitable. It's just maybe not worth it considering that they do have to face two live bodied teams uh, before they even get to a point where you would think about that, you know, getting paid out on that kind of a wager. So, you know, no real value for me there. And then mathematically, you know, the 105 indicates a 48% chance, 48.8% chance of them winning. You know, team rankings gives them a 49% chance of winning. So nothing, uh, you know, really to speak of there. Uh, similar story with Baylor over at the bottom half there at 225. Nothing for me there. Um, and then West Virginia at 6-1 to one is less appealing at 6-1 to one than it is as the sixth seed in a contest, you know? So we talked about, okay, the problem is they have to play an Oklahoma team that they have yet to beat in two tries. But if you follow the sort of narrative concept or, you know, word out of West Virginia, that it was sort of back to basics before the game against Baylor, you know, defense first, hustle, you know, all of that kind of stuff. And you get a West Virginia team you know, coached by Bobby Huggins, who you're going to get the most out of. Even last year when they were just a terrible basketball team, they made a little run in this tournament. So, you know, he's a coach that we like backing in tournament formats. And so there is a very strong possibility of like a revenge spot here, you know, or just being sort of more prepared than Oklahoma might be. And that's not necessarily saying anything negative about Lon, Lon Kruger, but those, the last couple games that he they've been in, you know, they haven't looked all that great uh, either. And I think their level of interest in desire in winning this 
won't match West Virginia. So I actually like West Virginia in that. Uh, on top of that, just from a metric standpoint, West Virginia will likely be the favorite in this. So if you know the market doesn't care that Oklahoma has won both these matchups and still makes West Virginia a favorite, you know why should I really be all that concerned about it, right? And maybe we're actually going to get some value if that number ticks down closer to pick them or even somehow Oklahoma is the favorite in that game, which I highly doubt. So, you know, then you're moving on to face a Baylor team that is pretty banged up right now. And again, that's assuming Baylor beats either Kansas State or TCU, which is something of, you know, a bit of a risky assumption considering TCU beat Baylor. Again, that was a home game and TCU couldn't miss a shot that day and, you know, so on and so forth. So, I think there's a very real possibility that West Virginia makes this final. And again, I haven't had a ton of nice things to say about West Virginia. And then, you know, I'm not the only one and I'm, it's, it hasn't been a secret and to the point where West Virginia knew that they weren't a very good basketball team towards the end of the season there. And that's why they, you know, had some tougher practices and got back to basics and all of that sort of thing. All of that, you know, again, mostly narrative stuff that you, you get out of a team's camp right um so you know if west virginia faces kansas yeah of course they're going to be an underdog there but at a six to one seed value uh you know i don't think it's insane to think that west virginia could win that game and i would certainly be interested on saturday to have my six seed go up against kansas as that one seed and if somehow kansas didn't make it through you know say they got knocked off by texas tech or even, you know, that one in 100 hit and Oklahoma State, you know, beat Kansas. And whether they got through or, you know, one of the Texas teams got through, uh, I think worthwhile taking a shot with West Virginia as the sixth seed, um, especially considering I think there will be a pretty significant popularity with Baylor and Kansas there. So I wish that a number from a future standpoint was higher than six to one on West Virginia, but that's only under the framework of this is probably a better idea for a money line rollover because I think the first number is going to be short with against Oklahoma against Oklahoma. And then I think, you know, they could be underdogs against Baylor and then underdogs in the final. And you're guaranteed to get better than six to one uh, in all three of those circumstances. So definitely looking at West Virginia in that first game, but we'll get to that in a couple of days. Um, you know, value standpoint, not a ton anywhere else in in that conference uh texas tech you know they need to beat somebody at some point i, I at 850 is not in anything i'm interested in and texas at 20 to 1 shows you sort of just what you know the powers that be really think of that team going forward so uh we finish up the power conference the rest of the power conferences of course we dealt with the acc earlier in the week that's going on right now in fact as we're taping this podcast miami and clemson are going on and of course we are on clemson if you were following the twitter feed uh we're on clemson minus four here getting all the reports that chris likes wasn't playing and with a, he's got a broken nose and then of course he comes out and he's got the schnozzaroo mask going and Miami is right in this game so we certainly didn't sign up for a you know Miami team with Chris Likes we were really hoping for them to not have Chris Likes that being said it's a four-point game with about 10 minutes to go uh, so <laughs> this could go either way 
and uh, Miami, you know, hasn't exactly been shooting the lights out, but then again, neither, neither has uh, Clemson. So um, at any rate, as we follow with the last one here, it's the SEC. And nothing's really changed all that much for me since Monday's talk about value with regards to the futures market here. And I think this is the one that it actually applies to both the futures market and the conference tournament pool in that Mississippi State here is the best value across the board. So there's a bunch of teams that actually have good mathematical value, and those start even at the bottom with Texas A&M and Vanderbilt. These, are, of course, are just percentage plays, and when it comes to Vanderbilt, literally half percentage plays. Uh, Texas A&M, you know, the implied percentage of 0.014 versus 0.005, like that's just negligible across the board. Uh, Arkansas is the one team that the market seems to be a little more interested in uh, at 25 to one. They do have that extra game as you know than most do as they have to play you know Vanderbilt, which has shown enough over the last month or so, and certainly we were on them a couple of different times as big underdogs, where they won outright. And in one case, they even did it on the road. So, you know, Arkansas here should be a pretty good play at minus eight or so, but, you know, you do have to worry about which sort of version of Vanderbilt you're going to get, because for all of the times that they did knock off a team, uh, as a big underdog, they were a big underdog for a reason, and that is because they would get killed by certain other teams. And I don't know really how well they match up in this one against Arkansas. So there is an, you know, you could sort of have to talk yourself into Arkansas definitely winning this game before that 25 to 1 really becomes a lot more interesting. And it also kind of depends on what you think of South Carolina in this, too. So if Arkansas wins, they face South Carolina. Now, to me, South Carolina is a team that has shown in the past, whether it's years ago under Frank Martin, um, you know, that they can scrap it out in a tournament format. And if I'm looking at advancing teams a little further than where their seed should, you know, would normally have them knocked out, South Carolina beating LSU certainly seems like a matchup where you've got one team that really, really cares and will grind you on defense, and the other that has no interest whatsoever in playing any kind of defense. And that could result in LSU sort of turning it around and starting to play some defense, as we know, which is pretty much just all effort. And then they become a threat to win the entire tournament. And there actually is some value on them at six to one, not a ton, the implied number there is 14%. Team rankings has them at 16%. So again, a little bit higher on team rankings, which means there is value, but it's six to one. It's you know not earth shattering, right? So, you know, you look at that Arkansas, South Carolina, LSU sort of pot there. And to me, any one of those three teams could make it all the way to the final. Because right below them, they've got Texas A&M and Missouri. Those are two sort of dangerous teams as well, going up against an Auburn team that I don't have, you know, that much, that many nice things to say about. Uh, they're a pretty fraudulent team, uh, especially as the two seed in this. So not really an option for me. This isn't the team of last year where we were all over them to win that tournament. This isn't a team 
that I'm looking to back, and I will be certainly taking either Missouri or Texas A&M plus the points there. So, you know, ignoring those that bottom three teams as any sort of chance to win and certainly, you know, lesser chance to make the finals, you know, the finalist, I think, comes from Arkansas, South Carolina, and LSU. And that's where the price of, of Arkansas does get interesting as they are 25 to 1 versus LSU 6 to 1 and South Carolina's 28 to 1. Now, of course, South Carolina at 28 to 1 is interesting because they don't have to deal with that game that Arkansas has to. So while the numbers say that Arkansas might have the best value and there's some value on LSU, I actually kind of like South Carolina in my own personal, you know, eye test and, you know, ratings and, you know, stuff that I've I've got cooked up. So a lot of different conflict there. So in a way, normally we're looking to find what, something from the bottom half of the bracket to avoid the number one seed for as long as possible. And for me, it's kind of the opposite here where, sure, Ole Miss, Georgia, those teams aren't, you know, all that exciting uh, with regards to having a chance to get by until you factor in that they face Florida in the next round, you know, who will be without Kerry Blackshear and once he's out, that team really starts to look a lot more like one of those other teams, right? Like, like a Georgia, like an Ole Miss, right? When you don't have that big presence, you know, that was your difference maker against those, those teams, you know, what do you do then, right? So elsewhere, of course, you got Alabama and Tennessee, and whichever team beats, uh, who wins that game goes to face Kentucky. And, you know, Kentucky has some question marks, but I certainly think that they will advance in that game. And then we get back to our team, Mississippi State, here at 13-1, to 1, who's really just sitting back and waiting and, you know, quote-unquote, relaxing. Uh, and we talked about how maybe this, that isn't necessarily a good thing in most cases, where you're waiting on a team that, you know, has played the day before, and you can kind of get you know, a little bit, you're a little bit ripe for an upset in that situation. Well, here, if that team is going to be either an undermanned Florida team or Ole Miss or Georgia, teams that, you know, I think are quite beatable, then, yeah, like I, I'm fine with Mississippi State in that circumstance. I wouldn't want them to face, say, South Carolina, you know, after South Carolina had a, had a good win the day before, or an Arkansas team that was starting to get hot, or, you know, even a Texas A&M or Missouri. So I think that really works out well for Mississippi State, when normally I didn't, you know, or earlier I didn't think that four-seed spot would be, you know, any good. And then, then you have the matchup of against, against Kentucky. And sure, that's not going to be, you know, a piece of cake by any stretch of the imagination, but there are some question marks, of course, with Kentucky and, you know, Ashton Hagen's coming back or, you know, or, you know, whether or not he does and so on and so forth. And so to me, like, you've got a relatively easy quarterfinal game and then you can sort of really ramp up into Kentucky. And then I think that bottom half is pretty weak. So for me at 13 to one, Mississippi State is certainly the play, both as a futures price and as a four seed in a conference tournament, you know, bracket pool type of a circumstance, because I think they will be uh, under the radar considering some of these other flashier teams that, uh, you know, that are in this, in this tournament, and of course, you know, Kentucky being one that's going to have a lot of people gravitating to them. So that's it for the power, you know, sort of f the five power football conference uh, tournaments. We're going to get into some of the smaller ones real quick. 
uh, I was, you know, given, I gave myself the responsibility of the Southland. This one is one that, you know, one of these gauntlet style flat bracket ones where you've got the first and second seed advancing straight to the semifinals. Um, this one's pretty easy with regards to who's going to win the tournament, or at least who I'm picking to win the tournament. Uh, not going to get cute here. Stephen F. Austin is the number one seed, and they are quite clearly uh, the best team in the conference. Now, of course, I did my due, due diligence and looked for you know someone who could beat them, and I wanted to find a way to get Nichols in. And while they defend the three okay, which again is something that I you know have feel is of great import uh they shoot a ton of them and but they face abilene christian who's sitting in that second seed you know with a day of rest and who do defend the three better and are actually the best at defending the three at about 30 percent so you're looking at and they also don't really shoot the three all that well so they're very much sort of a grinded out team going against a Nichols team that loves to shoot the three. They shoot it a ton. And so it, to me, it sets up as actually an under and I don't bet totals. You know, this is probably the first you've heard me even mention a total. But this does sort of set up as an under game because, you know, if if Abilene Christian is defending the three as well as I think they will. That's going to be a lot of empty trips for Nichols who don't, you know, rebound the ball particularly well. Um, and then of course, you know, Abilene Christian, you know, doesn't shoot it all that well either. And Nichols at least, you know, defends it at an average rate. So, you know, then look at sort of the inside play and whether, you know, either team sort of gets to the line and Nichols basically never gets to the free throw line. They're, they are way below. In fact, they are 190 free throws short of Abilene Christian over the course of, you know, like whatever, 20 games, you know, that's kind of a lot. <laughs> if you factor in, that's like nine free throws, you know, plus per game. So, you know, then you go, okay, well, the, you know, on the opposition, okay, who, you know, who, do they foul a ton? Uh, Nichols does foul a lot, or I should say Abilene Christian fouls a lot. So you go, Nichols doesn't get to the line, but Abilene Christians w will put you on the line. And you look at it and go, okay, that's, you know, it's it's not necessarily going to average itself out. That's more of you have to decide which team you rather be, right? If you're the nickel side and you don't get to the line, well, what are you going to do that's going to get you to the line here, right? Well, Abilene Christian will foul you, but you have to do something to force them to foul you. And if you're just jacking up threes from the outside, then that doesn't really take advantage of Abilene Christian willing to foul you right if you don't give them the opportunity to foul you they will not foul you so um again that doesn't really help Nichols' case for even winning that semi-final and that's just assuming that Nichols makes it through a quarterfinal game which they have to play so you know there isn't really as much as i wanted to there isn't really that case for Nichols to get through and so you okay well who did you know stephen f austin have issues with i mean they lost by one when uh texas a&m corpus christi shot 59 percent from three well you know okay that's fine but corpus christi has to beat northwestern which is a you know coin flip game northwestern state i should say uh which is a coin flip game and then they have to beat sam houston state well, sam houston state actually is the team that has given uh stephen f austin the most trouble this season 
and having two second half leads, right? The second half lead in each of their game, but shooting 69% from the free throw line on the season, even if you get there the most, you know, like that's still going to be concerning in a, in a one game scenario. Now, over the course of the season, if you get there the most, you can shoot 69% and still put up, you know, from a quantity standpoint, points from the free throw line. So, you know, you can, you know, you rather a team shoot 75%, but even at 69%, that's still okay if you're getting there that much more than your opponent, excuse me, your opponent is. So at the end of the day, you're looking at it, and you're going, Stephen F. Austin, you know, one point loss, one loss, and it was by one point. Like, why try to force it here if there's nothing that like stands out as clear and obvious? So we're going to take Stephen F. Austin there. Uh, as far as the games in that first round, uh, they're basically coin flip games. So we're taking Texas A&M Corpus Christi in the first one as the eight seed over the five and then McNeese State as the seven over the six. Uh, that is in large part just strictly a value proposition, you know, based on the seeds. Uh, and then elsewhere in the small conferences, we're gonna skip it on over to the Big Sky. Uh, big Sky here is interesting in that there will be sort of a magnetism with regards to the two seed Northern Colorado. Uh, you know, pretty much commonly considered the best team in that conference. And being the non-one seed, you know, you're going to get that vacuum towards them that we've seen in a lot of other cases that we talked about earlier with teams that were one seeds who were getting only 10, 15% of the support. Uh, and I think that's going to be a scenario here that we can at least try to take advantage of with Eastern Washington, right? Eastern Washington, uh, regularly a top team. Uh, in this conference, along with Montana. Montana, of course, still dangerous. Bunch of seniors on that team. Team that regularly makes the, you know, has, regularly makes the tournament, regularly wins this tournament. And so Northern Colorado has to get through them first. And while Northern Colorado, again, from a metric standpoint, should be a considerable favorite against Montana, just beat Montana on the road. So I do expect Northern Colorado to win. It's just that's an extra hurdle that I don't know that Eastern Washington has because their 4-5 matchup is Portland State and Montana State. And to me, that's essentially, you know, a pretty close to a coin flip game there. And either team could be dangerous in that one. But... Again, I would prefer the pedigree of Eastern Washington as they have been in these slug fests with Montana over the years and then not having to play you know, that tough first game against Montana or in the case of Montana against Northern Colorado. You know, to me, that actually, that, you know, to no one's surprise, you know, makes them more likely to get in you know, to that final than even Northern Colorado is. Uh, if Northern Colorado does get in the final, I understand that we are going to be on the underdog and, you know, at less of a seed, which, you know, isn't ideal, of course, but, you know, these are the sorts of risks that you have to take in that, you know, winning this contest, you have to win a lot of these 50-50 type games. And sometimes 50-50 means you're the two-point underdog. Sometimes it means you're the two-point favorite. You know, sometimes you're the underdog as a higher seed and sometimes you're the underdog as a lower seed. So in this case, we're gonna roll with Eastern Washington um, in that conference. 
Uh, as for the rest of the schedule, we've got the Big West to go on Thursday and the American to go on Thursday. So we're going to talk about those on Thursday. Uh, but when we come back from the break, we talked to Ashish Barty again. It's our fourth installment of the Ashish Quad. Our, our quad we should have called it Quad One Victories or something along those lines. Um, and we're, we talk about primarily Dayton and the A-10 tournament and the fundamental question, can anybody beat Dayton and if so, who? And what does that look like, you know, under the, both from a math standpoint with regards to futures and what does that look like, you know, relative to this contest and then especially, you know, factoring in that that's a semifinal Saturday and a final on Sunday, you know, which, you know, the Sunday finals are slowly dwindling here. Um, and then we do, we get a little bit loose, but we touch on the, the WAC. I mean, not a ton to say about the WAC. And then, uh, and the Conference USA as well. So uh, I make my case to, uh, to say that Dayton isn't going to be the pick for the A-10. And uh, we'll see if I can convince him of that. Uh, he's riding high as we taped this. It was uh, as the games were dwindling down on Tuesday. So Gonzaga was pulling away from St. Mary's and North Dakota State had absolutely obliterated North Dakota. So, you know, we were congratulating him uh, on that. So we're going to do that after this quick break. All right, and we're back and we are with I believe the new governor of North Dakota, is it? <laughs> Sheesh Barty, ladies and gentlemen. That's right. That's the right. King that's of right. the Summit League. I have a key. I have a key to the state. He knows what North Dakota's up to. He knows what North Dakota State is up to. You know, maybe we keep him out of South Dakota for a little while. I have no love but... for the South anywhere, anytime. <laughs> right. right. He is all about North Dakota. I don't even know. is Which one is Fargo in? That one's in North Dakota, isn't it? <laughs> I think so. Yeah, I think as the governor, you should probably know that. But yeah, um, yeah congratulations. Wood chippers in there. <laughs> congratulations on the Summit League championship. Very nice. Uh, one seed's just absolutely cleaning up here. Um, but we're going to talk about some three conferences that you've got. Uh, yep. We've assigned to you the A10, or as I've affectionately started calling it, the Day, day 10. 10. I, I was going to use that. Were you? Oh. Yeah, that's well, okay. Sorry, okay. that's that's why I'm the host of this show. <laughs> <laughs> we got the we got the Day 10. We've got the uh, WAC for yep. that starts up on Thursday, and we've got Conference USA, which is just an absolute sweepstakes as far as yep. I can see it. But uh, I'm interested to hear on your take on that one. But we're going to start with the A10 because this one is really just one question. Yep. Uh, dare I say a hypothesis. Uh, but the question is, can anybody beat Dayton? And so your initial answer would be what, sir? In the Day 10 conference the answer is no you're going with no okay so what if i while i agree with you to an extent what if i presupposed mm -hmm. you a couple of different things here hit me hit me okay so what if i was to give you something at 28 to 1 odds that was commonly priced at 15 to 1 odds 
Okay. Would that be something that you're interested in? I mean, yeah. I mean, a, a bargain's a bargain. <laughs> a, bar- <laughs> I mean, a bargain is a bargain. It, you're if right. I'm thinking about it at 28 to 1, why yeah. wouldn't I buy a piece at 15 to 1? Now, what yeah. if I tried to give you something and okay. made you pay $300 for it? Okay. Okay. When in reality, it was about $104 in value. Would that be something that you're interested in? No. No, you wouldn't be because that's not a good deal. Yeah. Precisely. So where I'm getting at here is, of course, Dayton is minus 300 to mm-hmm. win the A-10, which, of course, alludes to the fact that they are the heavy favorite. They're undefeated in the league, haven't lost in regulation all season, uh, period, end of story. Um, but a minus 300 price presumes that 75% of the time they're going to win this conference, right? Yeah. But we have been using team rankings up to this point to see, you know, what the path, with regards to the path and the metrics and the quality of the team, what the likelihood it is that they win the conference. Mm-hmm. And they, as I'm sure you well know, say it's yep. about a 52%. 52 on the dot. Exactly. So, and that's where I get my $104 <laughs> price versus my $300 price. Now, obviously there's not a ton of value, but we're not betting futures here. We're betting against a group of people doing same, similar, and potentially different things than us. I think pretty certain that they're going to go over 50% of people are going to take Dayton here. Correct. So automatically anybody who's on Dayton here isn't getting any kind of quote unquote value. So for me, I wonder who is the team that can beat them? Do you have a team? Now you always said like, no, nobody will beat them, which is a completely fair assessment. Like you're going to be right. Well, according to this 52% of the time, or if you, you know, factor in the market price 75% of the time. So somewhere in between those two numbers, you're going to be correct. But if somebody is to win this conference or is to just simply beat Dayton, who would that team be based on your research? So the short answer is the obvious answer is Richmond. But again, the longer answer, and I think there's a couple teams that have a bit of value, one of them being Davidson at the seven seed. Okay. Um, because obviously they're not in their half of the bracket. So again, if they can get through, you know, worst case scenario, Richmond and Rhode Island. Sure. I mean, that is, I think, a team that is better than their seed. And then the second team I would say is, you know, is this ninth seed VCU. I think they're better than their seed. And the only sure. question, the only problem is that they'll face Dayton in the quarters. Um so they have to get through Dayton to get to the championship. You know what I mean? So yeah, VCU, if I was on the bottom half, I, I would, you know, mm-hmm. I'd have more to tell you, but sure. And then, like I said, the short answer was Richmond who who's had a good season. I mean, I think they are the second best team in the conference, but I think reality. And like I said, uh, this is a team sport we're doing with this uh, conference tourney, but again, my vote would be the unfortunate herd mentality vote of Dayton. Okay. Can I interest you mm-hmm. in the first example that I gave? Yeah. 28 to 1 that, was, yeah. that is priced as a 15 to 1. Sure. And that's the St. Louis Billikens. Okay. Yeah. So the St. Louis Billikens have played them as close as anybody's played them all year. 
right? Mm-hmm. Two-point game that was literally an overtime game. That was a home game for St. Louis. And a six-point game that was in Dayton. Now, that was the closest anybody's come in Dayton to it. Now, fortunately, the tournament isn't in Dayton. And going down the list of sort of the better teams, VCU you mentioned, right? There was a five-point loss to Dayton at home. Uh, Richmond was an eight-point loss that was, you know, to be honest with you, a little bit more than that. Like eight was sort of a uh, cosmetic result. And Duquesne was a four-point loss. So you've got some pretty close-ish results whenever Dayton goes on the road here. So, and they've, you know, commonly referred to as having like the better, you know, home court advantage than just about anybody out there. So, of course, St. Louis here is the closest thing to have given them a game at home and obviously went to overtime. And really, if they could shoot a free throw, which again is their sort of you know, bugaboo, their pet peeve, if you will. Uh, if they could shoot a free throw, they probably beat Dayton two months ago. Now, they're, you know, looking at their, you know, recent history, they've won, I believe, six of their last eight, no bad losses there. So when I ask, like, who can beat Dayton, I almost think whoever beats Dayton wins the tournament. Do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I get that if, say, VCU beat them in the quarters, they would still have to go through St. Louis and they would have to go through the other side. And that means more for VCU because they have struggled with other teams in the league, right? Whereas if you look at St. Louis, if they, you know, if they beat them in the semifinals, they would only have one more game to win. Sure. But it would be against a team that they have had success with right so you know sure vcu could knock them off and i mean obviously that would set it up nicely for st louis or you know sure in theory richmond could beat them in the final but i'm not super sure you know richmond beats rhode island for example right yeah, or yeah. davidson you no, know, I in, richmond rhode island is right know, I, I lean richmond but rhode island again they're they're not a weak team no, Rhode Island's not a weak team, and Rhode Island can beat every other team, but when they exactly. match up against Dayton, it's a complete bloodbath, right? Yeah. So yeah. it's a different yeah. question, like, can, uh, can Rhode Island make the finals? Yeah, they 100% can make the finals. But if they made the finals and played Dayton, would they have a chance in hell of winning? No, they wouldn't. Sure. We've seen that twice, where it was literally, like, 30-point games, right? Whereas you go, okay, sure, St. Louis would still have to win another game, but you know, they have the best chance to beat Dayton. Like they match up in a way that is at least competitive with Dayton. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? So when it comes down to it, like, let me put it this way, right? So a number, the number's minus 300 for Dayton to win. Mm -hmm. And if it was just a matter of saying yes or no on Dayton to win, right? And say the no was like plus 250, right? Like some, you know, casino offered that. Like, I wouldn't want the plus 250 because I'd rather take my chances with 28 to 1 with St. Louis because I think they're the only team that can beat them. You know what I mean? Like the bottom half of, of the course. bracket yeah, doesn't yeah. really have any value to me at all because one, if I had to pick one, I couldn't do it. And two, if any of those teams get to the end where they face Dayton they're going to get beat, right? Like Richmond has shown little to no, you know, ability to, you know, they're a good team, but like, you know, again, little to no ability to 
matchup with Dayton and, you know, VCU has just has had a lot of injuries this year and have been, you know, super up and down. So like preseason, yeah, like it was expected that they could compete with Dayton. In fact, like in a lot of spaces, VCU was actually the favorite in the, you know, to win the conference, but it just hasn't worked out that way for VCU. And so, you know, if St. Louis was like, okay, yeah, they match up with Dayton, but you know, they're, haven't really beat anybody else or whatever. That's not really the case, right? Like, no, no, the I mean, in this, team, I think, in this game, we're win. looking at matchups versus overall team play, you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And do or die, and, and do or die, it doesn't matter what your record is, is how do you play against today's team? And part of their odds being so, you know, what they are, are because Dayton is, you know, on their path and in the semifinals, right? But for the purposes of knocking out Dayton, and like beating them actually on the court, it doesn't really matter whether they face them in the semifinals or the finals, right? Sure, like yeah, you no. still have to get through them. And again, like you could say, okay, well, yeah, sure. What if St. Louis beats Dayton, but you know, blah, blah, blah down below could beat St. Louis in the finals. And no, I think that's I yeah. like, theoretically that's true, but like there isn't one team where I'm like, oh, they've got St. Louis's number, right? Like St. Louis, you know, has lost a few games here and there, but they were all like relatively excusable losses, like road losses to, you know, against pretty good teams. But as far as like matching up in the finals on that Sunday against a Richmond, against a Rhode Island, like I'd be still, I'd still be pretty comfortable you know, with St. Louis, it's just a matter of getting over that roadblock that is Dayton. And, you know, I also kind of rather them be in the semifinals too, because that way, you know, from a contest standpoint, say we took St. Louis and they lost to Dayton, at least we're not losing out on some huge points that on that Sunday, like I realize all points are, you know, created equal, so to speak, but on that Sunday, as you know, like we go to bed on that Saturday and like wake up on Sunday and we're like, okay, you know, who do we need here? There's six yeah. games left, like, you know, yada, yada, yada. Right. And if, you know, again, say the worst happens and, Day and Dayton beats St. Louis, you know, you're not screwed because, you know, St. Louis, or excuse me, Dayton is going to get two points if they win that final, right? Like you can still hop in for a point, you know, on the game Sure, on the, sure. on the game whoever. bet, so to speak, right? Against whoever. And so you're not really getting all that killed in it. But if you're, you know, but the reward, if St. Louis does win, especially as a four seed that, you know, I would say very few people will have because, again, first of all, most people aren't going against anything other than Dayton in this spot. And if they do, maybe they do, you know, sort of go Richmond or, you know, go a little deeper with VCU or Davidson or something along those lines, right? So I just look at it like in this case, you know, it's probably not going to work out. But at the same time, like when it comes down to it on Saturday, if that happened, if it just, the, you know, the quote unquote pressure got too much and St. Louis again, which matches up. And this is a team that made the tournament last year. Right. Mm -hmm. So like St. Louis isn't, you know, you know, oh, fresh off them, for sure. fresh off the metaphorical boat, so to speak. Right. So like to me, they have at least the mindset where it's like, listen, we can play with Dayton. Like we let a couple games slip, especially the one at, you know, quote unquote, our place, you know, back in January. You know, I, I think they're salivating waiting, you know, for that 
for that chance to to get back at them, right? Because like I don't think you yeah, know, two tough losses. You could say you know zero and two. Yeah, exactly. Tough, and so yeah. you look at it and you go, okay, yeah, technically they're the sixth best team according to like all these like metrics and stuff like that. But and first I mean, of all, like a bunch of those teams you can all put in a hat, right? Like they're not St. Louis and Davidson. Like I think just from an eye test, whatever standpoint, like I think St. Louis is a better team than Davidson and certainly has shown that they can match up with Dayton. Yeah. And I mean, I guess there's, there's two ways to look at Dayton's mindset as well. I mean, part of them will know the St. Louis team is one team in the conference that has our number, even though we did get away with two, they have our number are they're going to, if they're going to overperform in the sense like, okay, that we can't take this team lightly, you know? Oh, for sure. I think, I think you're getting full Dayton, like Dayton's attention. And I think you're doing, I think you're getting that in every single game. Like, I think they want to win that conference. They want to win the whole They want to win the whole country. For for sure. And like, I, and I'm not saying I don't like this team. I really do. I just, I'm just saying that the hype or sort of the, like what basically what these prices are, right. And if these prices are reflective of the market, then the, then that's going to reflect how many people are taking Dayton in our little market here of like yeah. 200, whatever people. And so I'm just saying like the hype's a little high relative to what these prices are because they have played close games. Like, and the next conference you're going to talk about is the WAC And they have a clear favorite in New Mexico state, but that's a team that's dominated that conference for years, right? Like years and years and years. And every time you dare try to think that any other team, whether it's like a grand Canyon or any of these other, you know, half baked teams come along, they just smash them down. And you know what I mean? Like, and there isn't a hype factor in there, right? Like there isn't a national attention on New Mexico state. There's just like that. Yeah. They're that much better than everybody else in that league and their futures price, whatever it is, minus 300, 250, 450, whoever, whatever it is, I don't even know it. Cause our book doesn't have that, but you know, whatever that is, that's warranted because of years and years and years of stuff here. Right. Whereas like Dayton, a lot of it is I don't want to use, I mean, I guess I'll use the term inflated. A lot of it is inflated by getting these wins at home, right? Like they didn't even have to play. um, They didn't even, they didn't have to play Richmond at home. And you know what I mean? So like all of their other home games, their nine or 10, whatever home games it is in that league, it's what, 18 games. So their other, you know, nine home games were against everybody, but the second best team in, in the league. Right. And so even, yeah, so like, I mean, yeah, they played home and home with Rhode Island, killed them both times. St. Louis was a close one. Duquesne was a close one, but that was on the road. Um, and so, yeah, so I'm like, it's kind of all inflated. And so from a price standpoint, to me, it just sort of behooves us to fade Dayton in this spot. And I think that there's one, if there's, you know, trying to find the path and have them lose, you know, it's not obvious because, of course, it's, you know, going to be really difficult for St. Louis to beat them, but it's not unheard of and i don't think that i think of any of the teams they will at least go in with confidence thinking they they can win and that's kind of sort of half the battle you know when you're talking about these sort of goliath teams and i don't think st louis thinks that they're not you know they might not be right but i think they think that they're on par with dayton because they've played them so close this season and because they've been to they're the ones who've been to the tournament you know most recently last year I think, and especially thinking if we need to make up ground in the tournament, 
St. Louis could be a good pick. Sure. And, yeah. and like part of it too, is that Saturday, as much as like Sunday is really important, Saturday is that day where like moves are made, right? Absolutely. Because yeah. there's like so much, what, so like, much action, so much action, like a dozen conference, you know, tournaments are getting finished and then like, you know, another dozen semis are happening. Right. And this would just be like one of the things that would sort of line up. And because it's not, you know, trying it with with a Richmond or somebody in that bottom half, you don't have that thing that's sort of like, you know, weighing you down over your head the next day, right? Like even if you're, you know, if you're any team playing Dayton at the, if it's not in the finals, you're just a team playing Dayton. Sure. But when it's the finals, you're now the team playing Dayton and it's for making the tournament. You know what I mean? And that's oh, just yeah. like a little too much pressure at that point because you're like, you're going to bed that Saturday going like, man, if we, if we beat Dayton, we're in the NCAA tournament. Whereas like in the semifinal, you're just like, you know what? Like, let's go out there, see what happens. And, you know, and then the next day you're like, okay, now we're playing a team, you know, a lesser team, you know, and seeing if we can make the tournament. So like, you know, we have a, some time to sort of mull this over on our own. But to me, like if somebody's going to make a case for not taking Dayton, this is one of those weird ones where it's like, I think there's a clear other contender that would be worth it versus sort no, of like, I love a... okay, well, let's hope they lose and we don't know who else to take type of thing. No, I love it. And the, I mean, the fact that it's a four seed is, makes it all that more attractive. For sure. Yeah. A hundred percent. Because yeah, you, you do have people who will try this, but we'll do it with the two and a three seed yeah, yeah. Uh, or even like we said, some of the more famous teams in VCU and Davidson. So anyway, worth, worth sort of just chopping yeah. it up about, um, but we'll transition over to the whack. And again, like, you know, I don't know how much more there really is to add necessarily beyond, you know, maybe looking at first round games or something along those lines, but you know, this is regularly New Mexico States to win. Because in years past, I would have talked myself into Grand Canyon, right? Yeah. You know, like, you know, Marley had, you know, had that going pretty well for a while. They've sort of slipped this year uh, down to like fourth in the conference. And, you know, they end up in a four or five game and, you know, New Mexico State just, you know, pretty much owned them even when I kind of thought they had a chance to win. So like, to me, it's New Mexico State into the finals. And I know that Cal Baptist was one of the better teams in that league, but they're, they're not even eligible. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they're got, I think they're under the same Merrimack policy. I think they're on year two of their sort of Merrimack. I kept double checking different brackets. I'm like, what's going on? Where did this team disappear? And that's <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, no, I think um, they had the, tr- the transition to D one situation that Merrimack had to deal with in the NEC. Yeah. As far as champ picks are concerned, I mean, again, New Mexico state's the obvious one. Um, Cal Baptist, you know, not even being in the bracket is unfortunate. If you have a St. Louis in the in the rough, you know, you you let me know. But again, I don't I don't see it in this one. I <laughs> no, like... I don't either. Yeah, not much uh, difficult there when it comes to New Mexico State. Pretty dominant, uh, clear favorite, and I think in this case, that's the right move to take them. Uh, things that don't have a clear favorite conference USA. Yes, this sir. one is regularly a sweepstakes and this time it is no different. What do you got for me in the conference USA? Cause I'll be honest with you. <laughs> I have had no idea what's gone on with this conference all yeah, year. That's okay. that's it's okay. been confusing as hell for me. Most people won't even be familiar with a lot of these teams that haven't made it to the big tournament, you know, um, aside of, you know, the ODUs, 
Uh, Old Dominion had some good years. Uh, UAB, we yeah, there's a Middle before. Tennessee upset at one point. Yeah, right? and I mean, Tennessee obviously, beat Michigan State one year as a 15, I think. If we go yeah, back to our childhood, we've got uh, you know UTEP, Texas El Paso, some Tim sure. Hardaway days back in the day. Um, uh, deep, exactly. Um, I was barely born. Wink, wink. <laughs> but other than that, I mean, right now, so this year we've got the the conference leaders, North Texas. Uh, Western yeah. Kentucky number two, and my pick for the conference to win is the three seed, uh, Louisiana Tech. Nice, so I like that. That's that's where I'm headed with that. Uh, and actually, you know what? This is this is a fun one. This is a fun one. So, okay, there's four games slated for tomorrow. The first game we've got ODU over FAU. Uh, that's the eight nine game. I like OD. These are all short lines. That's the the interesting thing. Okay. Uh, they're all under three. Um, so I like ODU to win the first game. Uh, the second game we've got, uh, FIU versus rice. And it's not just a Brown thing. I do just love this rice team as well. Um, <laughs> and again, people don't know you're Brown. They haven't, they, sure, they sure. can't, this they is can't not figure a... it out from the name. Uh, but anyways, grew, I grew up on rice. So, um, <laughs> in this game, it's, it's a no brainer to take rice in this one again. And again, I think, there will be a lot of people on rice. It's it's a, it's a salivating one at a five twelve with such a short line, but it's nice. it's too uh, too hot to not take. You know what I mean? And yeah, uh, the third game we've got UAB versus um, San Antonio. I like San Antonio in that game as the underdog. And the fourth game we've got tomorrow uh, coming up is Marshall as a six seed versus UTEP. Um, okay. Again, similar to the rice game, I like uh, I like UTEP to win. I think I think there's good value. Um, in the tournament uh, to take that to get the extra extra points these are all neutrals right we're not doing any of that stupid campus location stuff are we for this uh, no so for this one we are in frisco texas oh right yeah. so we've got like the north texas the hotbed yeah yeah but like i said um we're, we're gonna fade the first uh first and second ranked team in this conference i love these cities in the u.s that like decide you know what we're tired of nobody knowing who we are. We're going to really like go after some pub, some publicity because Frisco literally has a bowl game. Well, that's what I'm saying. And that, that, that's, what's made like college college football. I mean, has literally made economies in towns in the U S right. Yeah. And Frisco's like one of them. And they're like, you know, what? we're, we're literally calling it the Frisco bowl. Yeah. People are going to know like enough about Austin, you know, Waco getting a little too much attention lately. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, even Lubbock has bucked its head sure. making, you know, the finals of the, at the final four last year. It's like, you know what? Enough is enough. Frisco needs to be on the map here. Yep. How are we going to do this? How about a fifth rate bowl game and yep. a conference USA basketball tournament? <laughs> I think I had a sponsored ad. For, I think I had a sponsored ad on my phone for it too. It's, it's interesting. Probably. I got a me app yesterday. Like- they had a conference USA today, you know. It's... Yeah, you're getting you're getting like flight updates about pricing to Frisco, <laughs> Texas. <laughs> Between that and the North Dakota stuff, it's you know you're just absolutely exactly exactly uh, a popular. I guy. got my summer really... uh, summer tour mapped out for me. Yeah, I don't think we have any any listeners in Frisco, but you know whatever. Uh, I still don't know where the hell that is. So uh, at any rate, yeah, I, lo- I love Louisiana Tech as the play there. I haven't been able to figure out Western Kentucky all year. Their best player went down with like one of the most horrific injuries you'll ever see on the court, like a total like 
hyper extension knee situation just mm-hmm. really gross and it was like okay well that's it for western kentucky because they were probably the favorite in that league and then just the rest of the guys managed to just scrap it out and literally every game this year i feel like was like a two and a half point spread that they would somehow cover or win or you know and it was always like well no western kentucky's not going to win keep winning like eventually this has to stop so i do kind of fear them just because they have this sort of like resilience element to them that I think is really impressive. And then the only other thing in that league is I've always, I felt like Florida international yep. was really undervalued throughout uh, basically like, you know, with the market, right? Like sure. all the point spreads are involving Florida international. I felt were a little bit off uh, throughout the season. And of course it's not a, you know, conference USA betting. It's not a big enough market necessarily for that to kind of correct itself. So that might be sort of an interesting angle, you know, so that, pushing through. Yeah. Yeah. What, what seed? What seeds? Florida International. So they're they're the fifth rank. So they face Rice in the first round tomorrow. Right. Okay. So but like I said, they're only getting okay. two points. So, they're only getting about two points on them. Yeah. Yeah. So you like? So you want to lay those points? I mean, yeah, well, I would. I would, but I understand. Like from a you know seed standpoint, you have a two point underdog. That's a twelve to five seed issue, right? Like I get that, right? So this always kind of. You know, a lot of this contest comes down to, you know, whether it's an 8-9 or a 12-5, but these short point spread games where it's like, yeah, we can figure out, like, what these lines are supposed to be mm-hmm. and that, like, you know, there's clearly seed value in rice, but at the end of the day, like, a lot of people also see that, you know, if you're in that's, this contest, that's you saying. see that's that what I'm too. Saying. It, it, so it, that's it. such a... That's such a really popular, that will be a really popular pick, you would think, because, yeah, people are going like, oh, a two-point underdog, and I'm getting like, you know, three to one on my money, so to speak. Like, that's the cool part about this, where it turns kind of into a poker game, too. Exactly. We're like, oh, I'm pot committed in a, weir- in a weird way to take rice, but then it kind of reverses where you're like, yeah, but if everybody's on rice, what's the, what's you know, the, what's the, the value? Yeah. You know, there is no value, right? Because you're like, okay, we're all just sitting here on rice, patting ourselves back on the back for getting three points but everybody got three points, right? Like we all just boosted up our score. A little no, bit. And at the end of the day, we're, we're still going with two point favorites. You know what I'm saying? It's not like we're going with. Yeah. And you're not risking like, you know, something that's an insane thing. That's, you know, never going to happen. But I mean, like, again, I, that's the, the thing is if you then go for Florida international, you know, and you win, like, yeah, you get the one point. But if you don't and everybody else gets those three points, yeah, that, like you're the dope sitting at the bottom of the stairs while everybody's <laughs> taking a step up the stairs. That, right? That's that's again. And that's what I mentioned when I when I talked about the game is like, yeah. is it too hot not to take? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I love and like especially once we're talking next week about the bracket and stuff like the block is too hot scenario with yeah. college basketball is like the very realist thing right and oh there's always like the again... most you know the most popular 10 seed in the world all of a sudden everyone oh, and their mother is like sure. oh of course they're gonna win get it yeah like i'm around. already worried about my etsu buccaneers being <laughs> like the <laughs> hottest thing running right like exactly. they're gonna end up against some crappy six seed that like nobody likes we talked about you the know, vermont uh heart heart uh tearjerker story that's gonna happen too yeah, in the sweet 16 right? Right? of course yeah. vermont's in there just about every year right yeah. so yeah you have those teams liberty will be another one too i mean they won last year and and you go okay well 
you know, well, and the funny thing is like, sometimes it works out, right? Like obviously Murray state was that big, like hot, hot scene last year with John Morant. And of course I'd spent the entire year yelling and screaming to anybody. Listen, like you got to see John Morant. He's ridiculous. You know, I'd send you like Twitter videos, videos on regular dunking and stuff. Right. And like, then the tournament rolls around and then, you know, that three days, from like literally selection Sunday when that show, the show goes on selection show to the Thursday, it's just this like swirling hype, like tornado of people talking about like three teams basically that are like, you know, like you said, an 11 seed or a 12 seed that are like definitely going to oh, win yeah, for sure. Right. And sometimes it works out and sometimes it doesn't. I mean, it all, none of it means anything because it all just kind of ends up in being about of a 50 50 shot of any of this happening. Right. And then there's the swirl of like the four seed that everybody's got going to the final four. Right. And so like Michigan State right now is like just on that train, like shoveling coal into that train right now uh, on the block is too hot. Hey, you know, hey, team I, right I'm now. just putting this out there. I'm inviting myself to the pod prior to uh the tournament starting so like that wednesday night we're getting oh, into don't it. worry don't worry so yeah <laughs> what people i haven't mentioned yet on this pod, or maybe i have i don't know i can't even remember but like what we're going to do for this pod is uh we have the three days monday tuesday wednesday yeah. we're gonna have different people coming on just to talk about their bracket and it's yeah. sort of going to be a thing where it's like from different um I don't want to say corners of the world. That doesn't really make any sense, but like different walks of life. Right. So like sure. people who are experts, people who are, you know, interested in like longtime fans, like you, for instance, right. People who like literally haven't watched a game yet this year, but yeah. still love to like build a bracket. <laughs> yeah. People who've never watched a game this year. What color like, are their uniforms? Bet- I'll take them. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's, well, yeah. And there's that, right. There's the person who like doesn't watch a game all year and is just kind of going by like nicknames or whatever. Yeah. But then there's also the person who hasn't watched a game all year because they like nba or like the like nhl but like they still know you know the concepts of betting and the concepts of like you know strategy and that sort of thing but they literally just don't know anything about these specific teams they just copy obama's bracket well or or they like they go yeah they know kansas is good they know kentucky is good and and that's the fun thing about the bracket is that like the seeds do all the work for you by and large right like sure there's teams that are overseeded and underseeded and we'll get into that of course next week as well but like as we'll go through it it'll be fun to sort of see different people who's who have a different sort of background with regards to this stuff everybody's still doing the same thing and filling out this bracket and it's sort of this unifying thing. So we're going to kind of do like three or four per day of different people coming on and just sort of talking about why they're doing it and then what, what their picks are. And, and, you know, it's not gonna be a contest or anything like that. So it's not like it really matters sort of, you know, who does the best. so to speak. It's just going to be like, it's just going to be a fun exercise where people get to kind of enjoy, enjoy the tournament. And that's kind of what this whole, thing is for right it's to you know have people enjoy the experience of contests and betting and all of that kind of thing and just you know attacking you know sports from a different angle and so that's kind of just you know what we're going to do so yeah you're definitely on that list uh i haven't scheduled yet you yet in for you know where to find me you know where to find me (laughs) they'll probably i've got you down as like a later in the week type of a guy yeah yeah, yeah. because you know you need you're a guy who needs a little time i I need need that i need that bracket to marinate in my pocket for a while yeah that's right (laughs) you got to get that thing nice and juicy so uh yeah that's it for us wait well no one more thing we got it we got it we can't we can't do any news related uh you know, short uh, without mentioning the Ivy League. 
Oh yes. So we've got to be true. A quick two minutes is it's uh, not just this app and this iPad that has coronavirus. <laughs> it is the Ivy League. So the Ivy League uh, conference tournament. You know, every year it's part of our conference tournament contest we've been talking about. But this That's year, right. it is officially canceled due to coronavirus scare. Uh, mm-hmm. So the first ranked team was Yale. So they have the automatic bid to um, the big the big show. And the interesting thing is, like, this year it was moved to Harvard. Yeah. So Harvard would get the, you know, every team sort of gets, well, I don't know if every team gets it necessarily, but, like, they switch the uh, locations yeah. every yeah. couple yeah. of years. And so Harvard was going to get... And they're, the one, game, they're one game behind, one game behind Yale all year. So Yeah, they weren't, they weren't first, and so they were, but they were going to get home court advantage exactly. if, if they happened to play in the finals, which, you know, I mean, it sort of seemed like that was where we were headed here exactly. with a Harvard-Yale matchup at Harvard. And so, you know, and Yale, of course, like now they get in, they don't have to worry about it. And the thing for our purposes is that it's just a semifinal and a final, but that final happens on that final Sunday. So it was always that one of the six games that we were really, really sweating if we were, you know, at or near the top of this contest. And now that goes down to just five games. So that also means there's like less to hedge really on that day yeah so who knows in a lot of ways that's maybe that's a good thing but you know you will never know whether it's a good thing or a bad thing because you know again who knows sort of what would have happened but it would have been interesting with regards to like what a split for the contest would have been right because you've got the yale as the one seed so enough people are going to take them for that and then harvard you know being the home team so enough people are going to take no absolutely and it's 50 50 that that, we get the right side of that that's that's points you know exactly like that's a really big yeah and with those finals games right like they're worth three three to four points sort of depending on who you have so yeah a real you know and unfortunate obviously and then a couple you know along those lines but i don't know that it necessarily changes anything with regards to our handicapping as it looks like the big west and mac will be playing without fans in the stands. Uh, so okay. th- they might as well just take that to an outside hoop at this point because <laughs> let's get a pop a shot. Let's mean? get a pop a shot. Line going. <laughs> yeah. Or I just like just take it to the park. Like I got a park, I got a park right around the corner from my house. Like I'll go stand out there and like watch these teams play it out. I'll organize the entire tournament. Let's do it. Um so yeah. So we've battled through some uh they're battling through the coronavirus. We're battling through some viruses and God knows what else on our computers and uh, that sort of thing. Um, But we're going to make it. We're doing the best we can world. We're going to be okay. We're going to get through this. Yeah. So if we, if, if somehow we're in contention come Saturday night, we may have to do an emergency pod, but uh, let's just knock on wood and say that we, you know, we won't uh, (laughs) and sort of try to reverse jinx it in many ways here and uh and yeah so we'll catch up with you again barring some sort of awesome development over the next three days uh we'll catch you next week for the big tournament you got it man thanks again for having me bro you got it man we'll talk to you soon done all right when we come back it's game picks for wednesday night a little bit bigger on the card and we've got ats all over the map here we're going to do that after this quick break Okay, let's dig into the board for Wednesday. Uh, Again, talked a lot about uh, North Carolina and their run, their prospective run, and the just excitement over the potential of North Carolina going on a crazy ACC tournament run and, you know, getting into the tournament through the back door, so to speak. That being said, 
they've got Syracuse in a game that I think, and I thought, and I certainly gave North Carolina the win in. That being said, I made them a one-point favorite here. That number is up to three, and I think is probably only going to go higher as we saw um, you know, in the Virginia Tech game. This one I'm less certain of because uh, I don't know that North Carolina is necessarily better than Syracuse is, uh, even though I believed that they were better than Virginia Tech, right? Like, that's the difference here. So, to me, like, I don't want to get in the way of what could be this sort of freight train of North Carolina, you know, excitement. That being said, as we get higher, you know, a higher price here, we're getting very close to a point where you kind of do have to fade North Carolina and take what is strictly value with Syracuse. Now, we're going to need to know, you know, more about, you know, Elijah Hughes, whether he's definitively making it, uh, you know, a go today, especially after, you know, getting fooled by the Chris Likes, you know, nose mask situation. Um, so we're sort of leaving that on the back burner and sort of seeing where that line goes. But as it creeps up, it gets, a you know, a lot sketchier. Of course, we did see North Carolina, and we were on this, um, you know, pound Syracuse a couple of weeks ago at Syracuse. So we know that they're capable of it, um, but that's not necessarily something that we're, you know, is definitively going to happen again, uh, especially with a little preparation from Syracuse, you know, between now and then and having that extra day to prepare, right? I certainly trust is maybe a bit of a stretch, but I expect Jim Beheim to do enough tweaking with regards to his defense and the zone and whatnot that they will have a better plan for a North Carolina team that doesn't shoot the ball particularly, <coughs> excuse me, particularly well. And yeah, so you could certainly see Syracuse knocking them off on an off shooting day for North Carolina here, but not something that I want to necessarily get in front of. Um, NC State and Pitt. Pitt looked really strong offensively yesterday. Um, you know, we were on wake. Really a classic moment as they, you know, they're doing the reporting from the huddle and Wake Forest is all hyped and they're like, we're not giving up. We're not letting the seniors go out like this. Like, you know, give everything you've got, blah, 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 blah. All just the general like hype cliches. And then they, you know, timeout came out of the timeout and like literally Wake Forest gave up three straight layups. And you're just like, yeah, I kind of think you are going to go out like that. This does seem like how you're going to go out with a string of layups for Pittsburgh and Justin Champagny with a you know, 30 point game there are, you know, on, I can say on fire, but they certainly had, had it going, you know, from an offensive standpoint, I expect a complete shootout between them and NC state. I was on pit at NC state at eight points, uh, you know, a week and a half ago, not a ton changes for me here. I mean, the venue's a little bit different and the line comes down to five, five and a half, but, you know, I think Pitt is certainly live here to knock off NC State. I don't know that there should be just this assumption that NC State is penciled in or penned in to face Duke in the next round. Uh, Notre Dame and BC, I've got the number closer to seven for me. I've got Notre Dame winning the tournament based on strictly a value play here, as I think they've played close enough games with Virginia, with Louisville, and with Florida State, that if that is their route at the price that we're getting at like a 45 to one, 
you know, that's certainly value right there. And it turns out from a contest standpoint, we are one of the 1.7 people who have Notre Dame winning this tournament. So we're certainly getting a ton of contest value there. Now that is, you know, no stores take contest value just as they don't take closing line value. So we're gonna actually have to turn that into money for that to actually be worth anything. That being said, the number here does feel a little high. So it could be a scenario where we're taking uh, BC plus the nine and a half, kind of holding our nose that, you know, they can hang in with a Notre Dame team that they've hung in with and actually beat, um, you know, in South Bend this season. So it isn't insane to think that. It's more of just, you know, if we're so high on Notre Dame coming into this tournament as a potential sleeper to fade them right off the bat, even with a pretty big window of nine and a half points there, you know, it, there is some counterintuitiveness to it. But, you know, hopefully Notre Dame wins, you know, by seven and we don't have to uh, deal with any of this. Uh, over in the A-10, George Washington and Fordham, uh, no play for me on this. I made George Washington a small favorite. They are a small favorite. Um, you know, the plus three isn't enough to me for me to get in interested in Fordham. From a seed standpoint, I took Fordham as a flyer there, so we kind of just, you know, blindly hope that they, um, you know, make this one interesting and, and can get the win in the end. Uh, over in the Big 12, Oklahoma State, certainly a play for us at minus six and a half. They were minus six and a half at home, or maybe it was even seven and a half a couple of weeks back, and we certainly were all over them there. Uh, not a ton has changed, again, other than the venue a little bit, of course, but you know, still an Oklahoma State team that we we're kind of trying to buy low on here. I don't know if that win at Texas was enough to like get the market to completely figure out that Oklahoma State is actually playing pretty decent basketball. Um, and of course, we have our 125 to one Oklahoma State to win the Big 12 bet. So hopefully they win and win comfortably and we get a decent, you know, game out of them against Kansas in the next round. But let's just get there first. Uh, TCU and Kansas State. Uh, Kansas State, we got them in a really great spot on the weekend in their finale. To me, that's got sort of, you know, all, all she wrote for them written all over it. Like that's the best that they're going to do sort of down the stretch here. Um, so give me TCU minus the one and a half. Um, I'd like to think Jamie Dixon has them sort of We'll have them ready after quite a devastating loss to Oklahoma. Um, if they can ignore the fact that they lost that game, there's tons of good to take from TCU recently, especially like on the road to Kansas covering that game uh, last Monday, I believe it was. Uh, and then, of course, you know, the win over Baylor before that. So they're playing much, much better, I think, than Kansas State is. And so I think that one and a half is actually a pretty cheap price for them. Over in the SEC, the opening round games, Mississippi at Georgia here. This is a tough one to call. You know, I certainly <laughs> rather not bet on Tom Crean in any sort of way. Uh, as, you know, there, I, there's certainly a co coaching advantage for Mississippi. That's if the players decide to show up. And that I'm not all that certain about. And there's certainly a concept of Georgia and Anthony Edwards and his sort of last hurrah in college basketball. And he's a guy who's, you know, seemed interested, you know, for much, if not the entire season. And he can, 
you know, go off at any given time. And in a matchup against a Mississippi team that doesn't play a ton of defense, this one could be a real run-and-gun game. And if Anthony Edwards gets hot, that's going to be trouble for Mississippi. Of course, on the flip side, if Brian Tyree gets hot, that's going to be trouble for Georgia. But, you know, I think these are pretty similar teams that are looking to gun it. And if you can get three points or even a little bit more than that, you know, that might be the right side with regards to Georgia. As again, as much as it terrifies me to, you know, back Tom Crean uh, at any given, you know, point. So especially against Kermit Davis, who's a you know pretty good head coach on the other side. Uh, Arkansas and Vandy, we talked about a little bit earlier here, like which Vandy is going to show up, and in a lot of ways, which Arkansas is going to show up. And are we paying a tax for the fact that Arkansas needs this game, right? Uh, we might be, right? Like my, my number was eight, number's nine. Um, is that enough to scare me off, you know? You know, tough to say, to be honest with you, tough, tough to say, probably a stay away from me, though the only side I would take here is Arkansas, because this could very well be um, just Vanderbilt not showing up. That being said, it's, you know, it's in Tennessee, but I don't know that Vanderbilt ever really has that sort of a following um, that would have any sort of affect on this game whatsoever right so we move over to the big east georgetown at st john's and i said at even though it's you know technically a neutral court but at madison square garden you've got a situation here where you know georgetown banged up super short uh as far as you know athletes and stuff is concerned you got st john's who wants to run and play a high tempo game. So this is gonna be sort of a who can control the tempo type game where Georgetown will wanna play a lot in the half court. If they can, you know, a plus four here is certainly really interesting. Uh, if not, then we could be headed to a blowout. And I think Georgetown's issues with their depth are gonna, you know, show themselves in a second game that they play, right? Like they will probably get absolutely killed by Creighton if they move on from this game but they have to get there first. So um, Georgetown plus four, you know, really interesting there. That one is going to be kind of a game time decision or perhaps even a live betting situation once you can sort of see what kind of pace we're looking at there. Uh, elsewhere, Xavier and DePaul. I'm going to go ahead and just take uh, Xavier and give the points here. My number was closer to 10, so six and a half to me does feel light. Uh, over in the Big Ten, we talked about this a little bit earlier, Minnesota and Northwestern. Uh, Northwestern certainly a scrappier outfit, um, but that is probably shown in the line being what it is. Uh, and then we've got Indiana and Nebraska. I talked about that being an inflated line because of Nebraska being in such of a circumstance. And then over in the Pac-12, we've got four games in the Pac-12 today. Oregon State, I've got as a three-point favorite. The number's... Uh, three and a half, excuse me, I have them as a five and a half point favorite. The number opened at three and has moved uh, to three and a half. So certainly worth a play at Oregon State minus three and a half here. Uh, Washington, Arizona, I'm going to take the points here. I made the number five. Uh, it's up to six. Um, not a ton of value necessarily, but in a game that we're kind of considering a coin flip type situation with regards to which route we're going to take, whether we're going to be cheering which Washington futures at 80 to one, or whether we're going to be cheering Arizona to win the tournament, you know, for the contest purposes, so to speak. Um, I'll take the six points and just sort of see where this plays itself out. Uh, I'll also take the points with Washington State. 
can and has been a little daunting with varying degrees of success over the last week and a half. An outright win as a double-digit dog against Washington. A just disgusting collapse in the second half at Arizona. And then sort of a scrappier backdoor type setup uh, at Arizona State. So I don't know what to make necessarily of Washington State, what we're going to get out of them. But Colorado struggling so much towards the end of this season, laying nine points is just is just far too many. And then Stanford and Cal, this one you could use as potentially a money line piece if you're looking to juice out something up. You could even get a little frisky if you want to just get a, like way loose uh, for something that's in like the 275, you know, plus 275 type range. You could throw Minnesota with Stanford as two teams that really just need to take care of business here uh, and slap them together with the NCs of the MEAC, uh, excuse me, the, yes, the MEAC, uh, North Carolina Central and North Carolina A&T. And then you could even throw like a Siena and a Colgate in there to get that done as well. So it's a six-teamer, like favorites only type of parlay but it pays out plus 275. So again, don't go nuts with it, but at least you know that's something to keep your eye on with regards to some of these heavier favorites. Uh, over in Conference USA, just talked about this with Ashish, Florida Atlantic, I made a two point favorite in this one. It's actually ODU that's a two point favorite and Ashish likes ODU in this. Uh, Rice and Florida International, I talked about how the numbers always seem to fall back towards uh, you know, against Florida International, so to speak. And so I've got Florida International as a five-point favorite. They're only a two-point favorite. Uh, Ashish likes Rice in this one, in part because that's a 12-5 seed game, and there's a ton of value from that standpoint on Rice, and I completely understand that from a contest standpoint. Um, that being said, I would be on Florida International minus the two. Uh, UTEP and Marshall, again, we're off a little bit on that one. I have Marshall as a uh, like five-point favorite here, and they're only a couple of points uh, favored uh, at U uh, against UTEP, I should say. Uh, and then finally, UTSA and UAB. I've got UAB a four-point favorite. They're only a two-point favorite. We're going to take UTSA in the contest, but no play for me in that one. Uh, and then over in the big sky, uh, we've got Idaho State at Northern Arizona. I got Northern Arizona as a seven-point favorite here. This one's a four-point favorite, so give me Northern Arizona. And Idaho at Southern Utah. Idaho with a stunning win over Southern Utah earlier this season. Uh, so I'll take them plus the 12-and-a-half. My line was closer to eight or nine. So Idaho, I think, has got a couple of extra points of value there at 12-and-a-half. Uh, and then we spoke earlier about the Southland, Northwestern State at Corpus Christi, and Lamar against McNeese. Coin flip games across the board for us there, um, but just for the record, took Corpus Christi and McNeese again uh, in the contest. Uh, over in the Sun Belt, big game for our chances there with Georgia Southern and Georgia State. Uh, Georgia State, I made a four and a half point favorite. The number's five, so there's no play for me there. We're going to just cheer on our prospective champion Georgia State. And then App State at Texas State. Uh, I'm gonna take Texas State minus seven here. Uh, my line was eight and you know, give App State credit for their comeback win at home against Coastal Carolina. But the reality is they did get down 15 points at halftime, you know, in that one. And you know, looking at that, 
you know, if we get that as the team moves to going from home to the road, you know, if they have a similar start, then this thing could get ugly quickly against the Texas State team. That is the best team in the Sun Belt. Uh, and then elsewhere over in the uh, Metro, we've got Manhattan at Siena. I have this number right about where it should be at six, uh, six and a half. Six was my number. The number is six and a half. So that's too much. Um, and then as far as the BU Colgate game is concerned, like I said, money line play there. Um, Boston University, I have as eight point underdogs at seven points. So you could make a play on Colgate there, who I think, um, you know, I'm quite certain is going to win that game tonight. Um, but again, maybe given the fact that it's a championship game, do or die type of thing, that might be a point where you don't really want to mess with the uh, point spread at all. And then finally, I uh, forgot about this one in the Metro, Iona at St. Peter's. Iona plus two and a half is a play for me here. Uh, I've got this number only a shade off of it at St. Peter's minus the one and a half. Um, but, you know, Iona in the Metro is a team that you just back until they get knocked out. And it worked for us last night. So we're going we're gonna to try that again with Iona plus the two and a half. So that's it. Epic pod today. Uh, obviously, all the conference previews are basically done with. We do still have to touch on the American um, and as well the Big West. Uh, as she mentioned, no Ivy League tournament. So don't have to deal with that. Um, so it's all just games the rest of the way here for the rest of this week. Thursday, just total chaos. Again, follow the Twitter feed, MRoss Authentic for games um, in the afternoon because we're not going to get the pot up uh, you know, quick enough to be able to get those plays out um, you know, for that day. So same thing, you know, Thursday and Friday will be the case for that. And you know, Saturday, a little bit of a different beast. We may be able to get a pot out on, on Friday night for Saturday. But again, that gets tricky because unlike normally you know, during the regular season where we can do a Friday night pod for the Saturday games because we know at least what the Saturday games are and we can kind of start, you know, start guessing about where the lines are going to be in the soft openers. You know, these tournaments, we don't know who's in the semifinal until a lot of cases pretty late at night. So it's probably going to be, have to be pretty Twitter-centric with regards to specific game stuff. But we'll be back for the next couple of days talking about that. And as I talked with Ashish about, really pumped about what we're going to do for the, you know, pre-tournament, you know, selection Sunday and so on and so forth stuff um, for that. And, uh, and finally, shout out to Clemson for making just a ton of free throws to barely cover the number. Unshout out to Clemson for almost giving that game away. That was a 12-point game with like less than a minute left. Uh, so we did get a winner there. Uh, that's it for me. We'll, uh, we'll talk to you tomorrow and we'll see you at the window.